Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Davis. How's it going, Mike? How's your alternate Monday? I'm a little still exhausted, Dennis. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though it's a Wednesday after Gen Con, I'm still kind of beat. But I'm, I'm getting there. Uh, have you gotten any, besides before we get into Gen Con and some of the thing, uh, trials and tribulations that you had, <laughs> what, uh, you, got any, you got any con crud? That's usually a thing that kind of happens, you know, you get a little bit of illness, not feeling great after traveling and such. How are you feeling? I, I don't think so. Um, surprisingly. Uh, right, right. I mean, I yeah, just, just normal fatigue. And a little bit of the sort of malaise that comes after, you know, kind of being unhealthy for four straight days. You're you're probably right. Um, and honestly, I did not eat great. We ate a like, ton of crappy pizza. Well, it wasn't crappy. Actually, some of it was pretty good. Um, but um, a ton of it. Thank you, Fox. Um and, but overall, I didn't eat like a lot of sugar, you know, that makes me, you know, or greasy stuff that makes me go gross for, for days. Um, I did have a banana every day. So kept my protein or my, uh, what's it called? It's been a potassium going. Uh, mm-hmm. but anyway, um, so Gen Con was this week or last week. Yep. Last week. And record breaking attendance of 70,000 plus people. Uh, yeah. Did you feel first, did you feel that? Uh kind of. I mean, I skipped the con last year, so my last uh Gen Con was 21, uh which was hmm, very, right. I mean, they they had the like oh, very hall and and all this stuff. But this is the first this is the first Gen Con with no um uh health restrictions, right? No right. Yeah, right. No mask requirements or or vaccine checks. And so, yeah. Presumably, all the people who didn't come in 21 and 22, uh, for that reason, were there this year. Um, yeah, and, it, it's yeah. So it's so it's like the, the back to normal Gen Con uh, numbers. There were let's see. I waited in line at the merch store, and that took probably an hour. It was moving pretty fast, but still, yeah, you know. Um, but I wanted to get in there and get a shot glass before they ran out of them um yeah what you got was pretty cool i've had that yeah they didn't have um they didn't have a proper shot glass instead they had a sake glass which is ceramic Mm -hmm. instead Mm -hmm. of glass but it's about the size about the same size as a shot glass um so that's cool i have very cool i think i think i have one from every year that i've gone um except for last year when i didn't actually go um, because sometimes they'll, you know, they'll have the ones from the year before you can buy online or something like that. It's just part of my, my big shot glass collection. Well, the, um, even though we didn't have health restrictions, it was, it was interesting and cool to kind of see that, uh, if there's any small, but maybe big change in society with the pandemic is, um, that wearing masks is normalized now in America while it always yeah. was like in Korea. Um, it's very much 
um, more normalized now. So we, we saw, I saw plenty of people who just like opted to wear their masks. And when mm-hmm. you're around 70,000 people, that's a pretty smart idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a we, combination. Uh, I mean, I, I think we talked about this in 20 and 21, like in, in Asian countries, I think it's more the idea of if you're, if you have a cold, if you're sick, right. Mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you do that. So you're not spreading stuff yeah. around Pol- politeness. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think there are still, there probably are people in those countries who do it for this reason, but here it feels more like people protecting themselves a little bit. I see older people. I saw at least one flight attendant on my, on my various flight because it took me two flights to get out and three to get back, um, which is its own whole kind of not that interesting story. But, uh, yeah, I'd see people scattered around here and there. Um, probably one in 50. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We, we were, I mean, it's got its flip sides too. Um, city and I did will call this year. Like we always do. And, um, to get our badges and we did it on Wednesday and I actually did it in the, not the best time. We did it around three, three thirty. It, it could, it got worse around after five and six when people get off work and decide they're going to come get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that line moves quickly anyway. You know, even if you're in it, it's not bad. And like, it never fails. Not a single year have we gone by without someone talking to us in line. Um, And sure enough, we weren't in line, but two minutes. And the guy behind us um, asks us what he will need for identification. And he's from England. Um, Mm -hmm. So, which, which is pretty great. He had a story about how he's like a big animal person where his job is. And Mm -hmm. he says, Dags. Like yeah. the snatch show. So he, every time he said it, I kept getting pulled out. Like oh, you're from South. <laughs> uh, but he was wearing, the point was he was wearing a mask and uh, Sid and I, I don't hear very well in big rooms anyway. It's all those years of going to concerts and the bluebird where it's just smashing in my ears. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so my ears aren't all that great. And then when you get a ton of people, it just starts to kind of white noise in together. Uh, put that on top of someone wearing a, a, a mask it's very difficult. And even Sid couldn't quite hear. Um, and we were like, Oh man, he's really great to talk to, but, uh, can't quite understand him. It's really straining. And then, you know, about five or 10 minutes into it, he's like, I'm going to take this thing off. I can't, I can't even hear myself. I was like, good, good job. Um, but I, I totally got it right. Like he's over here in, from across the pond and doesn't know how things are. And, and it's, um, 70,000 people. So I totally get it. Right. Um, but that that was cool. That's something I've always said about Gen Con. So, you know, I sat down with them. I sat down with two German guys to play a game. Um, very very cool people from all over the world uh, coming into this this convention. Which, if, if those who don't know are listening, Gen Con is the the premier. I would say role playing. It's tabletop, but also role playing convention in the world. Uh, it's in Indianapolis, Indiana, and it's just something to behold. It's not like other work conventions I've gone to all the time. Uh, totally not. It, I, I would almost call it a play. I don't know. Play meeting. It's, it sounds like a terrible thing to call it, but mm-hmm. like where you go and actually do fun things instead of going to a convention and just learning. Right. Sure. Yeah. Like, you know, if you go to a work convention about Adobe or something, it's really inspiring and you see some neat things and, and that you get to talk about your work stuff. But when you go to this thing, you're actually doing like fun hobby things that you want to be there for and doing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, 70,000 was a lot. Uh, there's a little bit, I think a little catch to that is that, uh, and it's not like 10,000 people or something, but, um, Lorcana, which is something we'll talk about in a minute was mm-hmm. the big thing. And they were un, I, well, I understand they were unprepared for the success and the excitement around Lorcana. Uh, yeah. and they didn't know that they were going to have people who stood in line for 14 hours, you know, right. multiple times in, in, in this, this con to get their, their gear. They had enough, you know, that they didn't sell out until the very last day, but, um, they just didn't understand how this was all work. So they decided, uh, on day one that we better, this is big. We've got a humongous line that's going out the building and around the, around the block from the hall. We got to start figuring this out. The first thing that they did was they had before the con, right before the con started, they were doing these, um, how to play events. And if you signed up for the how to play event, you got a, a pack, pack sure. a starter box, or I think it was a starter box. Um, and then they quickly realized that people were signing up for entire tables for themselves, mm. uh, just so they can get the boxes. And they're like, Whoa. So they had to ask like a week or so before Gen Con started Gen Con to strip all the events, start tagging them differently and, and allowing only one person, you know, like one ID, um, to go. And then, um, I guess you can you can buy one extra ticket for yourself, but it's I don't know. Anyway. You, you can buy multiple tickets, but it's like one per badge type thing. But yeah, you're you I can buy multiple tickets for myself. Like I can buy four tickets to play a game. And and then just yeah, give them to my friends. Just give them to your friends, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um or let's say uh, I bring a significant other on Sunday, I buy a will call walk up badge, right? But I have extra tickets case so they can play with me on Sunday type mm-hmm. thing. Um, but that that's not what they wanted with this or kind of thing. The other thing was, and here's the big one where I'm trying to get out here is that they were like, okay, we need to start limiting people from like just hoarding pallets of, of stuff and then selling them on eBay, which is what happening. Right. So they decided they were going to clip your badge. And if you had a clip on it, like a hole or whatever they were doing to, to signify it, mm-hmm. um, you couldn't get another one. Then Friday came and there was a run on the will call to get new badges. Um, I, right. I love that little thing. If, if, I'm going to amplify that in the editing so you can hear Dennis say cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, right, there was a run. And immediately on Friday, all Saturday badges sold out, which I know it can't be that many people. But I do know that Friday will call was stupidly long and I can't believe how long it was. Um, and it couldn't have been just all new people like why have people on friday not got their badges yet um yeah, so they sold out for saturday it's one of those sold out like, four-day badges it's one of those things of like when you walk the event hall um you know i i kind of assume that most of our listeners are familiar with gen con but the event hall mm-hmm. is where scheduled ticketed events happen by contrast to the exhibit hall which is full of vendors um you know demoing and, and selling their games and stuff. There's an art section and all that stuff. But the event hall is where planned planned things happen, right? Tournaments and organized right. play and, and all this stuff. And there are big tables, big sections for things like um, um, 
trading card games, right? Magic is yep. the big one. But yep. there are others too. Like I think Yu-Gi-Oh is all but gone and Pokemon was a thing for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And then miniatures, right? There's your Warhammer and various Star Wars ones, the, the various like world history dust I've been seeing more and more of, which is, I think, a military history of like World War II kind of. Yeah, I don't really know. Um, you see that stuff and go, wow, there are there are a ton of people into this thing that I know almost nothing about, or I know enough about right. to know that it's it's not for me for whatever reason. In both of those right. cases, trading card games and miniatures games, I just look at and go, I have enough things, I have enough, uh, like, I don't want to say frivolous, that's demeaning, I don't mean, I don't mean, frivolous. enough, like, superfluous, luxury, whatever word you want to use, like, non-essential things in my life that I spend money on. I yep. don't. I don't need another one of those hobbies. Um, yeah, I think you got to pick your battles there, right? Yeah, pick your, yeah. Pick your you, enjoyment. Yeah, you know, you, you, we all have limited resources and et cetera, et cetera. But then to look at this Lorcana thing, I I had not even heard of this. Um, I hadn't either. And wait, wait before we, I've kind of talked about years about. Can you explain for our listeners who have no idea the word we're saying, what it is, or anything? As best I understand it, which is not very well at all. It is like Disney Magic the Gathering. Is that accurate at all? I, I believe so. I, again, I haven't played it anything but seen cards online, and I have a card. And but it's it's a thing it. that was like, well, what is that? And, you know, Fox, our, our buddy who's a press um, game reviewer, says it's, you know, it's Ravensburger, Ravensburger, um, mm-hmm you know, company we're all familiar with. They've been around for a while. They've been doing more um, licensed games in the last few years. Yeah, um, they got the IPs now. And it's a, and it's a, yeah, and they have, um, you know, and we t- we talked about this kind of speculating on the licenses, like what licenses they have or don't have. Like, obviously, Disney is a huge umbrella of companies, but a lot of the companies that they now own, thanks to Fox and Marvel, already have deals right like um is it upper deck or one of the others that does um legendary right that's a card game based on marvel so like yeah what is their license deal and how does that affect disney and marvel and ravensburger and all of that but for for now it's disney disney trading card game i'm like okay well on the one hand there are so many trading like trading card games have come and gone I think since Magic started, probably, you know, a couple years after Magic started, but somewhere in a box in my storage unit, I have um, Star Trek, the original series, trading card games. That was a box of, you know, like a store display box of starter decks, right? And you could also get booster packs and you collect all of them, you know, and you get this one. This is Shirtless Kirk and, you know, you do the thing. Of course, I never got anybody to play it with me, which is the... Right. You know, the big thing. I mean, I owned magic cards for a while when I was a teenager. Yeah, yeah. And I sold them because I didn't have any friends who played. Um, and so I know that it is a popular thing. Like, I have Discord friends who will still talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! Because um, they're a little younger than us. And so I know that there is a market for that. And a lot of them come and go, right? Like, magic seems to be the only one that stayed long-term. Um and I know that Disney is a huge, massive 
brand, right, that, that people mm-hmm, recognize. Mm-hmm. So, so I hear that, Disney trading card game. And I go, oh, well, of course. Now I understand why there are people lining up to get it. There, there's a massive audience for it, and then there is a you know coinciding group of opportunists saying, oh, this is a huge new thing that a lot of, you know, it's the new um, Tickle Me Elmo or uh, the, the talk boy from um, uh, Home Alone 2 or the, the, the Furbies or whatever, you know, the fad uh, gift. Whether it lasts, whether it's a great game or whatever, there are a lot of people who want it and it's not, you know, the demand exceeds supply and so yep. they're going to try and get those just as you said, so they can sell them. Yeah, the when they would buy multiple four-day badges at $85 a pop, which, by the way, is super cheap for, like, a con of like this, um, or whatever, maybe it's 120 or something like that. But when you buy... The four-day badge is, can, like, 120, 130. Like so they would buy that, and you think, they're just doing that to buy it. Another box? Well, if they can make several hundred dollars off of it, off the contents of an, you know, it, it's $85 also for the the actual like booster box i think that's what the price was yeah that's um, the that's the that's the question mark to me because i know i'm sure i've told the story about how my dad at least once and maybe twice um did that with game consoles right when mm-hmm. when nobody could find an xbox oh, right. 360 or whatever it was like he would get a bunch of them somehow like a black friday deal or something Though usually those are limited i don't know how mm-hmm. but he, he would get like a dozen of them and sell them on ebay and really by the time you, he paid all the fees to eBay, it's, I don't think he really made enough money to be to be worth the time. But of course, my brothers were just in anguish over it. They're like, "You have twelve, can't we keep just one?" <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I I agree. It's I mean we we always see those you know oh my god look at the price of that you know PlayStation Five on the on eBay it's thousand two thousand dollars something you know but as uh, our buddy Bill had said, he said, uh, you know, but um, how many of those actually sell or, you know, only one person buys them, you know, right. type thing. So you'll see it on there for a week, you know, but it, it doesn't, you know, only one person buys it or whatever. Um, and then like, so these Lorcana rares might actually go, but they'll only move in the first day or two, maybe. And we're just seeing the price that they're being posted for, not if they actually sell. Right. 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 And and Robinsberger is not Disney, right? It's not right. you know, they're not the first party maker. But they're also not a small company. I remember reading um people on Reddit annoyed at the price of the Star Trek Adventures books because Modifius got a license to make a Star Trek role playing game and they're a you know, small ish they've grown in the last five years or so but um you know their answer when somebody on reddit was complaining about the price was like we're not a huge company and this is the only way we can make profit on printing these books and they're really nice books with black pages and stuff so you know they're they're making them maybe a little more premium than they have to because you know that's what you have to do to sell them. i mean off the air before we started we talked about like tabletop appeal like you want cool components. You want your books to look nice. If you're going to go up against Paizo and and Wizards of the Coast, right? And yep. the person replied and was like, basically, they maybe worded this a little more nicely, but they were basically like, maybe you should let a bigger company have the license so that we can get the books cheaper. 
right? <laughs> uh, which is, you know, fairly uh, uh, um, not very nice thing to say. But right. um, the so that aside, Robinsberger is not Disney, but they're also not an indie publisher, right? No. They're they're a decent right. sized company, and they're going to look at this demand and look at the market, and they're going to they're going to print more cards, right? They're, the scarcity is not going to last. Um, and so, I don't know. Just a no, I, I, I agree with you on all of that. And my little only little insight into this is that, um, I mean, I am a Disney fan. Been Disney, like, I love the parks. I love the whole aesthetic. I love all of the, the fun and happy, happiest place on earth, whatever. Yes, there's all that. It's a corporation, blah, 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 blah. But I, and I get it, right? Like, I get the, the Disney mania, I would mm-hmm. say. I'm I'm part of the problem, as some might say, <laughs> um, but but I don't see it as a problem. Obviously, when it's happy, etc. Um, and there, and I know how many like Legion that is because be, there there's a reason why it's so fun and and great and that a whole thought of it and and those people ha- are now adults in the same way that geeks and nerds are now adults, right? right. That. You, you, before when you were younger in the 60s and 70s you you played with your lone ranger or whatever it might be but then as soon as you get an age they're like don't play with lone ranger anymore right you know you you're shunned or shamed for that and an outcast and now nerds and geeks and and disney fans have just weathered that and are it's just fine to to enjoy your hobby and be a part of that and and not have to live this kind of thing so it's just this huge massive fan base that you know loves to do different kinds of things and games are one of those right that it really definitely crosses over with games as well the, the game people to kind of do um and we've seen in the past disney have companies when they put their ip out with games that are just crap right they're just they just put it like to whoever to make monopoly disney monopoly or whatever and um th- that's been slapped played, on it disney trivia pursued or Div- I, disney you i played know, the whatever. uh the magic kingdom game on the nes yeah, right. Yes, you you understand what I'm talking about. Um th- that kind of stuff. And every once in a while you'll get, actually get it in the hands of somebody who realizes that like, hey, we can make we like making fun games and we like this IP and can kind of do those things. Uh Ravensburger has done that with Villainous. They did the Villainous series. Right. Now, while that's a little bit um I'd say family age range type thing. Sure. Um uh it still was the idea that you could play with this Disney art, this cool Disney stuff in a themed game and play it just like I like playing with D and D themed things or X-Men or, or Marvel themed things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you playing a card that you play down and it says like Wolverine claws, you know what that is. You get an idea that it's going to do straight out damage, high damage, and it's quick or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you can see the the cool art that's got the Wolverine claws, so it's it makes a game more enjoyable to play with that kind of a thing when you understand the theme. So that's all kind of poised for this thing that you know you get a good company that can actually put out a game that people are interested in that aren't like just kids, and have a theme that you like. With Ravensburger has all new art that's you know around this kind of theme. And you've got a you've got a really big hit on your on your hands. Uh, Disney also did this recently on the iOS app, and I, I can't remember the name of it. But there's a I think it's like Disney Multi Heroes or something like that, where they had I remember you know, hearing about that. Yeah, 
Yeah, that is the same thing. It it, it was gangbusters because people saw their favorite Disney characters in, let's say, fantasy gear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, "That's cool. I want to see Goofy in a in a cool outfit instead of like just as a as a kid." I mean, look all the way back to um, people are screaming at the their headset saying Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts, I was right? Say yeah, yeah. So there's always been a demand for this for for all these kind of reasons, and then. Uh, Robinsberger puts out a new uh, tr- trading card game, and to echo our buddy Trotsky's opinion, he doesn't think it's just going to take off because that market is so, I almost want to say done. Um, but as you pointed out, the only thing that's left at all, and I can see this by going in the consignment store this year and last year, is just little bits of Yu-Gi-Oh, all Magic the Gathering still, and a few mm-hmm. bit of Pokemon. There's just nothing else. Even when you walk into the um, the game stores, they just have their entire wall of those because as game stores will tell you, that's where they make their money um, off of those things. They can buy all these other stuff, but people won't buy them. You might They might sell a box, right? Well, so it's, they just, it's not complicated, right? Like, yeah, whatev- whatever else you do, if, if you're a board gamer, you buy board games. Board games are expensive. Like... A cheap board game is fifteen or twenty bucks. If you are a D and D player, maybe you buy dice. How much dice? How many? How much? How many? How much dice? Whatever grammar there. Um, how much dice do you need? Right? You maybe buy minis, right. but minis are also kind of expensive. And yeah. now there's three D printing. Right. So, you know, then you decide, like, how, much, how many minis am I going to buy versus, you know, a handful of us pool our money and buy a 3D printer or something like that. But if you play magic, you need magic cards. And the magic cards are in these loot boxes, right? They're the original loot boxes, right? They're packs. You they they packs, really are, right. You buy it. And so, and then you're also tapping into something like as old as, you know, since we, climbed down out of trees and and made fire gambling right card packs are gambling okay don't don't at me about whatever not gonna work. but if you pull a good card if you pull a foil rare or whatever the heck out of a out of a uh, a booster pack and sell it you're you're making money off gambling it's not like however you want to split those hairs to call it not gambling you're paying money for the chance of getting something you want. And so it's a, yeah, it's a thing. If you're running a store, like maybe you sell some dice, maybe you sell some games, maybe you sell some minis, but what people are going to keep coming back for are those booster packs. Which, that, which I don't get, chance. but I get. <laughs> um, I, it's not me anymore, but when I was, when I was 17, it definitely was. Like it's it's yeah. also it's also cheaper than those other things. Like I mean, I don't know, I have no idea actually price price, but I'm I'm imagining it's something similar to like a pack of seven dice or whatever the the, the polyhedral dice sets come with. with the, yeah, the D four D four D six two D tens a D ten no I said D ten twice D twelve and a D twenty. 
That's and six. you missed one. I missed one. You missed D8. one. I was waiting. You're like, it's gonna go through them all. You missed a D8. Where's, where's that? What's that? That that uh, prism shaped one? It's like two D4s glued together. Um, that's the D, D, you, That's it. D8. <laughs> that's D8. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> well right. Said. Like like it's like two D4 <laughs> stuck together. I like one, that. <laughs> one one of those set of dice is probably about the same as what a booster pack costs. I think maybe maybe the boosters are even less. It depends on the dice, right? Like. Solid dice are cheaper than the ones that have multicolors or have glitter in the plastic or whatever. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And so, well, well, well so yeah, well, you the, go in and you're like, if you're a kid, if you're a teen, you're like, well, I don't have forty dollars to buy the new, you know, whatever board game, or you know, much less a hundred plus dollars for something like Gloomhaven. But I can spend, you know, I've got twenty bucks. I can buy a booster pack or two, and maybe I'll pull something cool. Again, it comes back to the gambling thing. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a gambling it's thing. It's a yeah. steady stream of small purchases that you know can keep a brick-and-mortar game store in business. For, for sure, and they can make good good profit on that one. The, the, when, I, when I was doing it, to bring it way back to the olden days, um, and I'm literally talking about first edition Magic and Antiquities and all the original stuff. Sure. Um, when you would go get a booster pack and then it was five bucks, right? Okay. Which was big. It's like 12 bucks now. Um, but which is, you know, inflation, but, um, yeah. you go get a booster pack of then 15 cards. I think it's still that, but I can't remember. Um, and you would open it up and you only have so many cards that are out there. Like say 300 cards, right? Mm-hmm. There's, that's all there are. There's not 800 billion zillion, right? Right. Uh, like there is to now. So the odds of you getting what, you know, at least the, the all the commons and the uncommons is, is pretty good. If you don't have to spend a zillion billion dollars, um, you like how I make up these number names. Mm-hmm. Um, and but now, like for something like magic, it's just overwhelming to even think about what's and then another edition comes out and it's just all these different stuff. For example, I know there was a Dungeons and Dragons crossover like, oh, I'd love to get into that. But like. Before I even had the chance to think about it or considering it, they're doing another edition. Yeah, I was right? I was showing some of my Discord friends card art for, uh, as we were talking about off the air, um, the Fantasy Flight Lord of the Rings living card game. Yeah. Because it has some really beautiful art. Uh, and because they were talking about Lord of the Rings and games, and I didn't realize that they were talking about literal magic cards. Right? Like, now magic is doing IP stuff which i think is fairly new but I, I it, it is and they just have they have a magic together that's right they have a lord of the rings one too magic. by the way um yeah and s- some of that is longevity right it's the thing we talk about with mm-hmm. mmos where like you know i assume that there are not millions of different cards in each in each run in each um season or series or whatever they're called um right they were already doing that when i played it was like tempest was the new thing um, oh, I remember that. Yeah, that was a big back. Yeah, and so so part of what you've got going on there is, you know, the just the, the age of the longevity and the longevity of the game. Um, but then, probably too, they're you know they've been doing this. Um, uh, is that also wizards? What magic? Yes. Yeah. It's it's their big thing, yeah. Yeah, like they've been doing this for a long time, so I'm sure they they understand the market and go, you know, okay, we can 
we can push it this far, we can have this many unique cards in a season, but it can't go over this because then people will get frustrated and um, the numbers will drop. Um, anyway. Right. Well, it, it, the, I guess the, the long and short of this with this conversation is that, um, you know, all that has come to almost, I don't want to say a tired sims or a, a fatigue for for that genre, but I, I will say it. It's like there are, how many years are in this 15, 20, 30 years, something like that, that magic's been going on. It's good. It's a great game. It truly is. But I, people have been ready for new things for a while. And now that there's not been any competition for four or five years, like anything worthwhile at all, Lorcana is a good position to come in and at least do something. Now it depends if the game is fun, obviously, um, and good, but by just if the lines in demand mean anything, it seems like it's got a shot. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. No. At, at not dethroning the king, but no. at least being some kind of worthy competition. Well, and, and if, again, if you want to start to go, in this genre, maybe now it is. You know, good time. Yeah, I mean, I mean to go back to the MMO comparison. Did I make an MMO comparison? I don't know. I'm making it now. Um, yeah. You know, Magic is the world of Warcraft in this space. And yes, for, you know, I have no idea how the numbers compare apples to oranges, but I remember reading or hearing somebody say at some point, a new MMO doesn't have to do better than WoW. It has to do like 10% of what WoW does, and it'll still be right. successful. Um, I, I agree, yeah, for and sure. And I, I assume there's at least somewhat of a similar ratio for trading card games. Yeah. Uh, so that's lo- long time we spent on on just that that one thing, but uh, <laughs> I, I will say, say I probably would still play it as long, if I had friends around here that that played it consistently. I've always enjoyed trading card games. You and I both love the collectible card games best, which is like the not the stock collectible, the um, living card games that are like you get the whole thing, right. um, which it's my favorite. Uh, but you know, it's it's one of those two. You got to have people to play the thing you want around you. That's probably the biggest thing. Is that no matter how many t- people would want to play, you know, Transformers the the trading card game. If you don't have friends and they're all playing Magic, then well, you just go back to playing Magic, right? Yeah. Uh, which is k- kind of the thing. All right, moving moving on from from those things. Uh, let's talk about uh, before we're talking about some of the games. Was there anything interesting when you're on your walks around that was a little different or? Um, work comment worthy uh at the hall around gen con in general this yeah year. um i like i said i went with fox to some of his meetings um we played a new game called thunder road at the house i played hmm. a couple Is that, of new uh, games mad max themed it's it's i don't think it's i think it's like obliquely mad max themed um it's a racing game but it's very chaotic um there's a what is it? There are dice. Yeah, there there are dice that give you directions, and if your car runs into another car, you roll this direction die die. Or there's two. There's a there's a top bottom die and a and a directional die, and you roll it so you stack like you put your car on top of the other car, and then you roll this die and you say or these dice and you say and it says the bottom car moves to this position, right? Which is just the whatever six directions around you. Um, Eight directions around you, because squares. Um, And then 
if they if whichever one of those cars um, lands on another car, then you do it again. You keep doing that until you're on an open sp- until everyone's on an open space, or people fall off the track because there are parts of the track where you can fall or pits. Um, and then everybody has three different sizes of car. Right? There's a small, medium, and large car. And if there's a collision like that, the person with the larger car has the option to re-roll, um, but you have to take the second roll. Um, and then, and then the board does this kind of cool thing where it's just a straight line, but they're they're um, they have like puzzle ends. So when when enough people get forward, how does it work? When someone, when the person in the front in the lead has to go off the end of the map, end of the board, you pull the back tile off the board and attach it to the front, right? So the track keeps going. And anybody who's on that back tile just is eliminated. Their cars are, are eliminated. Right. And you go until there's some end state. I think it's a certain number of people get eliminated or something like that. And then the, there's an end piece, a little narrow end piece. And then whoever goes across wins. So it's very not like strategic or competitive in the way that Formula D or even a game like Automobiles is. Um, it's just silly, random, kind of hold your breath. How are the dice going to land? Is my car going to blow up? Um, kind of stuff. And there's also damage. There are ways your cars get damaged that forces you to do other things. And if you get, you have these little um, cards that represent your, their cardboard cards that represent your three different cars. And okay. if, if they get two um, damage tiles on them, then they're eliminated or maybe damaged and you turn them upside down. So they still, so you turn the car upside down. So it still can cause hazards in the road. And there's some way I forget now how it works. There's some way you can repair, you can roll or play a card that lets you repair that card and bring it in, um, which is different from getting knocked off the track, which just means that car is out. Um, oh, so it, was, okay. it was fun, but you know, kind of silly. Yeah. Um, ah. The other game that I didn't get to play but just looked at um, was by a company called, I always forget the exact wording of this, Infinite Rabbit Holes. Um, It's called Panic in Gotham City. But what was cool about it, I kind of, I was running late, so I got into the the presentation the guy was doing for Fox. He had already started. But it's it's AR, augmented reality. Um. And what they did, so the most well-known example of AR is Pokemon Go, right? Which is um, the real the real hook mm-hmm. of Pokemon Go was location-based, which is augmented reality, but not, yes. not in this way. Like, the app has a thing where it'll use your phone's camera and show the Pokemon, like, on your kitchen counter or whatever. But I don't know anybody who left that feature on. After, you know, seeing it once or twice, they're like, okay, that's cool. I'm going to turn that off. Um, Because it actually makes the game harder. Um, But what this company did was they they designed this app with all of these props. So there is a city, right? Arkham City. um, 
Is that what I'm saying? I don't know why that sounds weird. Gotham City. I knew that, I knew that was right. Okay. Um, yeah. Gotham City. Um, and it's a, you know, like a miniatures board. Like a, there's a flat board and there are buildings, right? Towers. There's a couple of towers. And then the, the like, magic of it is when you take a phone or tablet or whatever that has the app on it, which I know is a thing some people don't like, but those people are mm. old. Um, <laughs> and you point it at the board, and now the city comes to life, right? There's, uh, like, trains going by. There are buildings that on the, on the board, on the physical board, are flat. They're just art, like, like you're looking at Clue. Um, they're now in 3D, and you can move your phone around and look, and you can get up close enough where you can look inside buildings and kind of tilt. I'm gesturing with my hands; you can't see me. <laughs> um, uh, and he showed us where we went into a bank, and he gave he handed Fox a tablet so he could point it down, and you get to here, and you turn this angle, and now you see there's this vault, and you tap a thing on the app, and now the vault becomes a space that you can stand in uh, and move your tablet like you're playing VR, right? With, with the helmet, except yeah. you're holding the tablet. And you look around and you're like, okay, here's this wall and it's got gears, but the gears aren't all touching. And, you, mm. you know, there, there are envelopes like a legacy game where you pull out these things. And he had a, he had a prop here that was cardboard. And so he held the tablet in one hand and took the gear and held it up right where it would go in this thing, and it sort of popped in. And then the puzzle unlocks like a, I was going to say like a um, Uncharted game, but it's more like an escape room. So hmm. it's, this, it's this combination of like city puzzle, and we didn't really play it, so I don't know how the 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 actual mechanics of it worked. But it, it's it was one of those things where I say. At Gen Con, you know, after the first couple years, I'm looking for what's new. What's somebody doing new? Like, um, um, what was that AEG game? Not Thunderstone Quest, but the Mythic, Mystic, Mystic Bale? Oh, yeah, yeah. Love, love that. Still. With the, that with the, like, three segment cards that go in the clear sleeves and you modify your cards as you go. Like, something, you know, you look at the, the like what a board game is. And you're like, there are cards, there's dice, there's maybe coins, mm -hmm. fake money, meeples, yeah. you know, you know, the piece. What we now call a meeple is like it used to be called a token or a pawn, right? It's just a chess piece. Like, sure, now yeah. it's shaped like a little guy, but it's the same thing as a chess piece. Same um, same thing, right, yes. And like, you know, you can combine all of those things or some of those things in different ways. But eventually, you're like, oh, they're doing this with cards. Okay, that's cool. Um, but to see something new, and, and, you know, AR isn't new. We've, we've seen it for probably 10 years now. Um, but it was really, like, where they, they took this idea and really ran with it. Like, you know, we're going to do this, this, and this. And it's this, it's, it's Gotham City themed. So the, the story is um, Harley Quinn is in Arkham Asylum, but not as Harley Quinn, as Harleen Quinzel, her, her psychologist, psychiatrist, um, yep. psychiatrist yep. alter ego. Um, and, you know, there's, you know, I assume some sort of story puzzle to 
to unlock. But then because so much of the game is virtual, they can have like they can have literal DLC where there are new chapters, new um, um, arcs of the story that you can get digitally, right? You don't need a physical expansion pack because you've got all these components already. Um, yeah. And you can do, you know, okay, it's this. Now you're going to move the building over here, and it has that, like, um, um, it maybe has that sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like malleability of like a, like pandemic legacy or something like that, where the, where the, yeah. it changes as you play through the, through the missions in the campaign, except it doesn't have to be destructive or permanent in the way that, um, mm-hmm. that those games are with the stickers and the, um, which was another thing when that came out, when, when risk legacy came out and I'm like, Oh wow, this is, this is something new. Um, yeah. So that was cool. I I I agree. I like. I, some people might call those sounds like a derogatory term, uh, gimmicks. But I like. It's it's a thing that a game does differently. You know, uh, it, it's interesting. Some people can say it like Legacy or the a Mystic Veil, how that does something different. You know, that's unique to what you're playing. And, right. and I I like those a lot. That's why I see things like was it. Return to Dark Tower, something a big dark tower in the middle of the thing. And how's mm-hmm. that work? And mm-hmm. how's that play? It's it's a the derogatory term is gimmick, but it's a it's a it's a thing that they do differently that pulls you in, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, whether or not it's a gimmick just depends on like how how like essential or or integral to the experience it is, right? Um, right. You know the. I don't know. If if you had a game where instead of dice, it had an app and you had to use this app to roll the dice, you're like, well, that's kind of a gimmick. But you look at a game like Journeys of Middle Earth, where they've basically replaced the DM, the GM, with an app, and you're like, okay, that's a that's an interesting thing. That's a different thing. We don't need to have a fifth player who's playing a different game than we are. Uh, yes. Just play us for sure. Right. Um, by the way, I think one of the things that makes root so good is that every like class is a gimmick, you know, they've got something way different about them or what do they call it? Race or whatever they are in that game. Um, yeah. uh, so think, th- see what, what did I got? Uh, got I did my dice throne championship. I made the finals again this year. Hmm. Um, I think I'm three years in a row for, for winning that, you know, nice. knock on wood, whatever it might be. <laughs> um, and and uh, I don't know. It, it's a great game. I love Dice Throne. It's really fun. Uh, one of the best highlights of playing it is that it's quick. You can play it in an hour or, or less, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or actually much less probably. Um, and anyone who knows how to Yahtzee knows the basics of the game, you know? Yeah. Uh, I've played but, it a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's just, you know, it's got cool themes. Each character is different. I, I don't need to rehash Dice Throne, but... Like anything that, that utilizes dice, it is susceptible to random stuff. And so to say that I made the championships three in a row doesn't necessarily mean that I'm the most amazing person in the whole world. It could also mean that my dice were going well in all the qualifiers. Sure. Um, because this year I got out in the first round of the finals 
uh, just because of random dice. And I don't say that lightly. I got Yahtzee in the first two rolls, both natural Yahtzees. Uh, like they rolled all sixes yep, on, yep, you yep. know, their, their things in the first two, which does uh, over half life. You start with 50 hit points and I was, and that's, uh, they did 30 right there, or they did actually did almost like 35, I think. And then in the next round, they get what's basically a, a large straight and took me in three rounds down to five hit points. There was just nothing I could do. I mean, in the first three rounds, you don't have to build, you can't build up any, the character I was playing like builds up over time and gets mm-hmm. better with after three rounds it's just like well i'm at five and he's like yeah just that's what it was you know there's no there's no recourse there's just nothing in there when you roll like that Um, i I used to have a little handheld uh yahtzee game you know those handheld board games they did for a while mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. they still do i don't know i feel like i haven't seen them in a long time now that we have phones you just put yahtzee on your phone i guess um and we would play it like on car rides something because it's just this mindless sort of roll the dice roll the dice and you learn pretty quickly playing yahtzee that uh you you kind of have to roll yahtzee like if you don't if you don't roll yahtzee you're going to get a bad score and if you're playing right real game with other people you're going to lose if you don't roll yahtzee and right yeah you don't like you get three shots at it but that sometimes doesn't help and you just never hit it right like mm-hmm. yeah yeah, the in 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 this game, if if nobody hits it, then you the game could play as normal. Sure. But hit, hitting that ultimate is like just pretty devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, all around when somebody hits, it. and there to be fair, there are there are cards that everyone gets in the, in every deck that are centered around you making you if you know what you're doing to get that at least once a game. Mm-hmm. So you know if you you should be able to get it once. Uh, but obviously, getting a natural roll where you just you know get four sixes on your first roll, roll the next one, uh, get another six. It's just it is what it is, um, and that's what it's. But so anyway, I don't want to spend any more time on that. Just that that's how I got out this year, um, which was very disappointing and very sad because you get kind of excited about it, right? It's a sure. you go there to the thing, all the best players around. They're very pretty cool people. You're excited about it, and then um, and it's all very official. You know, the judges are walking around doing stuff in order. Um, and then you just get waxed like that. It was like, oh, man, I was, you know, I was excited. I was looking forward to two hours of play and then got out right away. <laughs> um, so it, it was very sad. And, and of all ways, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, if I got beat by, oh, some random die rolls, bad die rolls throughout the next 30 minutes or an hour, okay, sure. You know, attrition die rolls, but <laughs> sure. not like that. Uh, so that, that was one thing I did. Um, the... The, there, I had played several games. I mean, I played a whole bunch of new games, and it'd take the whole podcast just to talk about half of them. So I'll just hit a couple. I played Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. Um, it's a strategic co-op game in the Red Dragon Inn world. It's not like the Red Dragon Inn games because those are very much almost like party games yeah, with some stuff so. in them, uh, which which is fun. And it's the same world, so it's got all the characters and everything. So it's got that kind of lighthearted feel to it. Sure. Right, like like um, one of the characters that you play is a wizard. He's got a a wild, crazy hamster, and the I think it's called Pookie. And Pookie just you randomly the wizard has to randomly roll, and the first thing it does, and that's what Pookie random stuff does. And it's always just some crazy thing that the, that hamster does. Um, so it's got that kind of feel to it, but um, it's interesting. It was really fun, not too complicated, uh, but actually had like 
rules. It, it, it's a it's a campaign game in that you uh, start with a story and in the end you go through the, the story and then the next uh, you play the next adventure and it's a different story and the maps change and whatever and the okay. goals change. And then you it's got legacy things to it like you get experience points to change switch cards out and abilities for your characters and such. Like a, um, like a Gloomhaven kind of. Kind of, but considerably less like pieces, right? Like sure. not even a tenth of the pieces. More lightweight. Um, oh, I mean, it, it could have, you know, lots of maps and lots of stuff, but I know that like the pieces that you actually play with. In front of my character, I had, I played the rogue, whatever rogue character was. I had the main character sheet and I had one, like four ability cards and that's it. That's all I played with the whole time. Maybe a few markers to say that like I used energy on it. Um which was great. Like, and I, and I had the whole time it played quickly. It played in, in an hour maybe. Um, and it, it, again, it was kind of uh, funny themed, uh, in this one, the introductory thing, there was a goat in the tavern who had, um, alcohol and he, the goat was trying, you're trying to get the goat from one side of the inn to the other side of the inn so that it can be delivered to the bartender. Um, but there's a bunch of, ruffians who and trolls who want that beer for themselves so they're attacking you in the bar and so every every turn the the goat with this big barrels of ale on his back uh drops some and causes fire in the inn um but he moves steadily along the, the, the like over four turns or something to the end and that's the whole thing and within four turns you're just like fighting off bad guys um so it's kind of cute and you know Fun, lighthearted, uh, but still really fun and co-op-y. And not too challenging, but good. There's a lot with these co-op games when it comes to challenge, finding that right balance of, oh, my God, this is so insanely hard because we want replay value. value. Or, or, okay, we played it once, now we never want to play it again. You know. I I would recommend it. I didn't buy it because it was $110. Mm. And I didn't – it's only played four. Um, So if I'm going to spend $110 on a game – I want to be able to play with my friends, right? And it wasn't solo, which I can't play solo. Uh, moving on, a game called Legends of Andor was a story-based family game. It was Legend of, like, the family board game, uh, fantasy and- game. It- Andor? Andor, like the, like the Star Wars character, Andor. Like Cassian Andor? Yes. No, that's not the, right. Up- right. Yeah. The, exactly right. That's exactly right, like Cassian Andor. Um, and it's not, it's definitely, like, generic fantasy-themed. Um the interesting thing about this game, which is up and it also really bothered Sydney, was that there's no instructions. It's you play the game and the game teaches you as you play it, which is a really good thing in my opinion. Hmm. But but Sydney didn't like that the that the game runner came over a thing, set up the board and said, Okay, here's your characters, flip over this first card, and then he walked away. Like n- not even there for anything. And Sydney had all sorts of questions. And he was like, uh, it, it plays itself. Just, just go it through. And then she kept like, well, what is this card? And what is this thing? And how do I move? And how do I do whatever? It's one of those, it's going to explain to you eventually. Um, oh, it's like, and it, uh, it's like watching Captain America Winter Soldier with my mom. <laughs> yeah. How, how do I do these things? Who, what's this, who's this thing? guy? What's he do? Why? Who's what, What's going on? I'm like, just watch the movie. will tell you. <laughs> It, yes, it, exactly, and and she was having no patience for that because she's a got a very strategic mind and yeah, wanted yeah. to know how the game worked and wanted to know how to do the things. So it would say like, your goal is to get over to the gem across the field, right? And it's like every character can move two spaces, 
and there's like bad guys all around the, the screen. And Sydney's like, okay, how do I fight the bad guys? Well, it doesn't tell you anything about that, right? Mm-hmm. What's what's my character sheet for? I've got this thing that says wand. It does two damage. How do I do that? And like, it'll tell you. But she, that was really frustrating to her, and I understand. Uh, there, it was. There's some of our friends. I think that would frustrate as well. Yes, for sure. And the whole we played the whole first adventure, um, and uh, overall, it definitely fit with the. Uh, and the mechanics kind of changed from card to card. So you went to a card and it was like, while it was teaching movement and it teach, taught a little bit of combat, it also was like, okay, now now we no longer use swords anymore. So here's the new mechanic for the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really wasn't a figure the game out or teach the game. It was kind of like the rules for this section are just made up and we're going to play it and just focus on what the card tells you to do type stuff. Yeah. Um, which, which, as I realized it said family game on the front of the thing, I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. You can play it with a 10, 11, 12-year-old and not have to explain anything, not make them overthink about anything or try mm. to do complex build decks or whatever, right? It's just, sure. yeah. you know, there's no maximizing. It's, it's simply focus on getting the treasure behind the forest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would really recommend that game for young families, Um who who want to do some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything above that, they I think there is an Andor game that's not, you know, the Legends of Andor. Um, that's more for. Uh Ins and Outcasts was a game I played. It plays up to eight players, simultaneous play. It has a it has a kind of thing where um what's that game I hate? Love Letter, where it has mm-hmm. um like this there's one through eight and each each one through eight does a thing. Um you know, and, and you got to kind of know what those are, except for this one. It's not really memorizing what I think the thing I don't like about love letter is that if I know I have this card, then you have that card because I know this card has that card and this guy's already played that card, right? It's very heavily card county. This one is very much like it's in my advantage to play number four because I played number three last time. And then I want to stop this and get this thing, right? It's kind of like you're playing your thing. And other people play it and can stop you. Um, but that's kind of extra on the stuff. And it played really fast. Eight players. Simultaneous play. Really quick. Um, I bought it. It's going to be here. It's not. It's going to be shipped. Um, but I think it'll be a, a, a fun thing that we can all play. Um, finally, I played a game called Superhero Squad. It's in Kickstarter right now. Um, this is the probably one of the best themed to game mechanics game I've played in many years. Um this it's uh you're a superhero teenager who goes to high school has to do homework has to maintain friendships and has to fight crime all while the fact that a villain is attacking crime is happening all the time teachers are giving you homework and um, if you don't keep up your grades then the villains are gonna gonna uh or people you're you're you're, you'll fail at different stuff because you don't have enough time um so it's and it's a co-op but and also Spider-Man one of game? your, huh? Is this a Spider-Man game? Nope, just called Super Squad High, but it, it's got that kind of feel to it. Um, every character is very unique, so you play a high schooler, um, and it's it just it's it's I I would spend too much time explaining the mechanics of it, but the theme is that it's just simply that you're a superhero, and there's phase like in the morning, the crime is happening in the morning. You know it's in the city, but during the morning you should go to school. 
So you can skip out on school and choose to take your action to go fight crime. But if you don't go to school, then you won't learn how to do things like fight crime. Mm. So, and, but maybe you send one of your friends to go fight crime while you do schoolwork. And then next round, that person is way behind in schoolwork. And, and it's important to form relationships with your fellow classmates that are out on the board. So you have to, because one of them is a villain. And you want to be able to find out which one is the villain. That's kind of the goal is to get you know, build your relationships up. My my favorite part of high school was learning how to fight villains. <laughs> I know. That's that's what de- makes this fun is that Defense Against got, the you, Dark Arts, I think some people yes, call it. Hundred percent. Yeah. And 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 it's 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 always this like, oh, I'm getting cards to do cool like, you know, cry super things. But on the other hand, I really want to work up enough information about Eliza so that I can take her on a date tonight and yeah, see if we we're compatible. <laughs> I, know, like, I think I think now you've just summarized why so much anime is set in high school. Probably, I agree. Because yeah. there there are all of these things, and they're universal, right? If if they're adults, like yes, an adult has a job, but jobs are all different. Where high school is pretty universal, uh, right? And you're like, it's because yeah, you're you just overwhelmed with so many and, things to do, and, right? You know, you're you're young, and so you're trying to date and you know get the the cute boy in your class, cute girl in your class to to you know go for a walk in the park and hold hands or whatever, and then <laughs> then yep. you get, you get attacked by ninjas or whatever, and yeah, yeah it it there's a lot of unique mechanics in this game, but the one that I found most entertaining was that. Uh, let's say you chose to uh, blow off your homework and go hang out with somebody uh, on the, you know, at the arcade or something like you, you just put your, you take your action and do that. And you say, you're going to hang out with Elizabeth um, or Marcus or whatever it is at, at the, you know, at the arcade during the day instead. Sounds and then so you get to them. peek at, they've got like three little hidden, uh, they're emojis actually with there, like a, a sad emoji a happy emoji and a love emoji. And then you're going to look underneath the token of that and see what they like. And they're different every time you shuffle it. It's it's Stardew Valley. Right. And you see, and you see that Eliza likes traveling. It's a little like airplane icon, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, cool. And you put that down and you just remember, um, that she likes traveling. Now it's got a little mechanic where you can review it later for, for one cost. But, um, so it's not totally memory, but at any point, you can try to like take her out. It's called on an outing, but it's basically a date. It's got a little love thing, you know, yeah. um, to, to form a, a solid friendship with that person and like tag them as a relationship. And um, when you do, it goes into a mini role playing thing. One of the other players picks up a card and it's got questions like it says um, the, the sad face when you're going out to the sports complex. Um, you're, you're, you're going to, uh, talk about this, you know, what, what topic do you talk with Elizabeth about what she might love? And then you got to be like, Oh, I talk about traveling to Europe and how day I want to do that. And they're like, yeah, that's travel. Right. And then you do the next one. If you get all three, then you form a relationship with them. So it's a little bit of a role playing thing there. And sometimes you want to take them on a date before you know everything because of actions and timing and you got to fight crime and do all this other homework stuff. Sure, sure. So, so you'll take them on a date and not know all of their things. Um, but you can look at the, like the list of pool of items that, that they're interested in. Like there's like 
10 different things and guess, right? Mm. What, what do they like to go? And like, um, I want to play basketball with that person. They're like, nah, they don't like playing basketball. But they'll tell you that they like traveling then. And so next time you can come there and try nice. it again type stuff. Um, so that's a, that's a really interesting mechanic. And again, with the whole thing of fighting crime and sharing cards and stuff. And then you do at the end, there's a whole different part of the game where you fight the villain, the super villain and such based on how well you've done through the whole time. It's a lot. Um, my, my overall thing was like, would I like it? I think, I think you and I, for example, would love playing that game. I think it's, re- that's really cool. But well, t- talking about new things, I don't, I don't think I've seen a board game dating sim before. I'm sure they're out there, but yeah, yeah. It's, it, that's, it's so interesting. Um, so I, I, I would, li- I would like it. Um, I think, but we played with two other people sitting. I played with two other people who were, I'd say casual gamers mm. and they were kind of, one was lost with the rules right off the bat and was just doing a good job. Was just focused on the one thing. Right. And it, like build a relationship. That's all they were going to do. And the other person was like, just focus on just fighting. I only understood the fighting part. So I'm going to do just the fighting part, which we kind of had to deal with and kind of drug things on a bit. Cause nobody, they didn't know what they were doing. So it made the game go a little bit long. And my review right now at this time was that it goes a little bit too long with four players. Um, and I would try to, you know, trim that down a little bit, mm. but it was fun. The best theme theme to game translation ever. It's in Kickstarter. Now you can go look at, I'm sure we'll have show note things. Super squad high is the, the name of it. Um, but we got to play with the creator and it was really fun. There's a lot more that I played a lot more stuff, but those are the, probably the highlights that, that I got. And I've talked too long on these things. As Reminds it me a little bit of an anime, of course. Um, mm, yes. Yeah. Called Love, what is it? Love After World Domination. <laughs> okay. Um, the premise is there is a high school boy and a high school girl. The high school boy is basically the red Power Ranger, Right. They're, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. They're they're not called Power Rangers. They're like Gelato Squad or something. And each of them, instead of a dinosaur, has a has a flavor, has a different flavor of gelato that they use to change into their um, crime fighting form. You know, their colors okay. just like. And there's, you know, there's like a one of the girls is college age, and the rest I think are all high schoolers, and they have different colors and. All of that. And then there's a girl who is the... I forget what, what she is now. They're they're the villain squad. Right? They each have a different thing that they are associated with. It's not colors. It's something else. And so she has like a costume that she turns into and she's the ice queen something <laughs> of the villain squad. And of course they fall in love. And so of course. they of course. have to like she will tip him off to where they're going to be attacking. So they'll attack some part of the city and he'll go there with the gelato squad to fight him off. And then in the middle of the fight, the two of them will sneak off to like sit up on a hillside and hold hands, like keeping this secret. And it's all like very like melodramatic in a, in a hilarious way, like intentional, like good, bad kind of, uh, kind of writing is very, very, very fun. I, I, you know, something that like I said, the theme is so big to me on, on games that, sure. sorry, it shouldn't be so big to me. I don't mean it that way. I mean, I mean that it can be very big. 
mm. right? When when I play a, a game that makes you feel like you're doing that thing, whether it be sci-fi spacefaring or dungeon crawling um, or dating sim type stuff, um, I, I just really like get into it. I just really like it. It's, you know, it's a fun thing. Like you're doing this adventure while playing a game, right. uh, you know, and that works best with co-ops, I think. Um, sure. But I don't know. It's, some games give me that that aren't. Um, before the show, you and I t- were talking a little bit about uh, the Lord of the Rings cl- um, living card game. And I will say that that game gave me thematic feels of the ever presence of the shadow. Like the fact that when the shadow cards came out, it was always like, man, there's always this bad presence in the world that's just kind of always oppressive in that game type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and exactly like it should be. It's that's the the Saruman, right? That's always right. there, or, or the uh, Sauron type stuff. Sauron. Uh, uh, Sauron. So it's you know, and, and it's not, and very much in Lord of the Rings fashion, it's not very overt. Like you're like taking a billion tons of damage or something. It's like, you know, more shadows appear, or you're hampered, or you can't do stuff, and it's just that kind of that feeling. And it really got that theme across. I think I, mm. I didn't really like that part of it, but <laughs> it did accurately get that feeling you know uh, across i were actually getting some of that in uh the lord of the rings game we're playing now on the, the expansion when the journeys in middle earth that you know spiders just keep coming and just keep coming and just keep mm-hmm. coming like it's just overwhelming type stuff uh, it's a lot different than the uh, living card game but still yeah. gave off it gave off that feeling i mean it's still it's still fantasy that's true. Oh, there was something that was interesting too. Uh, one game that City and I that I own that City and I absolutely love, and uh, it's called Wiz War. It's been like twelve editions of this game, gone mm-hmm. through many companies' hands. Um, just a long, long game that pe- not sorry, long. It's been out for a long time. That's long, I mean. long running. Yeah, right. It, it it's got a lot of randomness to it, but it's super fun and very thematic. Like really, really is, and and I wish that I could play it more. I should bring it out to just play with people. It is um, bad that it only plays four, um, but but it's just it's just we really love it. It's hard to say. Go, go look it up, Wizwar. But the thing I wanted to say is that we saw it at Gen Con, all new, shiny, spanking new, and we and it was I want to say Upper Deck. I can't think or, or Asmodee or it can't be Asmodee. It's got to be Upper Deck or something. And they had redone it. Oh, I know what it was. It was Steve Jackson Games. Um, okay. it, they've done Munchkin and other things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I saw him, the guy called Silver. I was looking at it. I was like, this is Wizwar, but looks just all shiny and new, right? And he was like, have you played Wizwar before? Like, I said, yeah, I own it. He said, does you own this version? I said, no, I don't own this version. He says, which version do you own? I said, I don't know. There's so many. He says, well, did you play the Fantasy Flight one, which was the most recent? And I said, probably not. Mine is at least five to ten years old, um, and I think it was old then. And he said, oh, well, then you might like this one, um, but he didn't talk me into buying it because it's the same game. According to him, Fantasy Flight took it over, changed a lot to it in in the second to most recent version, mm-hmm. and then they didn't do well. It didn't have a lot of fans and everything, so they sold the license over to Steve Jackson, and he basically took it back and made it to the game that I have now. Um, but added something like more cards and uh, six players instead of four. Um, so I was like, Oh, that sounds great. So, so yes, yeah, it's like, if you have that game, that's what 
it's brought back to into this game. So I thought that was kind of interesting that I having an old version was actually the best version type stuff. Yeah. Um, so that, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, and I do love that game and it was nice to see the nice shiny new parts. And um, if I didn't have it, I would be talking about it in, in our, in our game channel saying, Hey guys, you should play this one. Uh, but, but it, it, as much as I'm giving it praise, it's definitely a lot of randomness to it. You know, you just get, you draw from your deck of cards and, whatever you get is what you work with, right? It's not actually, uh, all, you know, it's strategic to a point type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, what what else we got here this week? Um, I bought games. I bought, bought games. I'll just run them. The Hadal project, dungeons of infinity, aeons in the new age, which I think might be the one you have Dennis. by the way. The, the um, one I have is the legacy. Aeons and legacy. Okay, well, this has legacy components to it. That's what's convenient. It's got like boxes with envelopes and stuff in it. Um, but they might have done more of those. I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> the funny I, thing, I, I didn't realize this, and we've talked about maybe try and find the episode and we can show notes. We talked about Eon Zen when I bought it because when right. they did their Kickstarter, was at my peak of like the first six months or so we were doing the front porch where we talked a lot about legacy games, campaign games, and deck builders. And so when a Kickstarter came across my desk and said, uh, legacy deck builder, I was like, well, I like both of those things. And then yeah, yeah. by the time it printed and I actually got the physical copy, I was like, I'm kind of burned out on deck builders. But we'll, <laughs> we'll give it a shot. Um, and it was fun, but of course I had moved away already. So it's yes. kind of like we played it once a year when I was in town right. and had it with me. Now it's in storage because I don't. I you know I have one bag of games in my car and I'm not gonna yeah. take up the space with giant legacy. Well, that that is the exact reason why I bought this one. One, mm-hmm. it was in the consignment store, so it was cheaper than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually really enjoyed that. Like I enjoyed us playing that. I knew how it worked. You know, with the legacy portion of it, adding new cards, stuff like that. Uh, new villains pop out. I thought it was it got to be a point when we were playing last um, was it was a little challenging. I don't think we won all the time. Um, but I thought if this is the same game and it shows on the box that it's solo, then I can play through it and see how it goes. Because um, I, I did enjoy playing it that game of yours. Uh, it sounds like it's not, which is even better because maybe someday we can still play that one. Um, and I can play this one. So anyway, Aeon's in A New Age, uh, Shadows of Brimstone, which is a huge system that uh, I didn't realize was so big. Um, and I want to say it's Frog Pants game or Frog something game is it the company. Frog Pants um, is a podcasting network, so it's probably wait, not that. It's probably not that one. Um, but oh, strange uh, things have happened. So yeah, yeah. I, I, that's what, maybe that's what what I was thinking when I when I was thinking the, the Frog Pants. Uh, it's a Flying Frog. Sorry, Flying Frog flying Productions. Frog. Yes, I, I was like, I know okay. there's a board game company with frog in the name, but it's not coming to me. <laughs> it, it's so funny because we the the short story goes: I was walking around the hall on the last day looking for things to buy. I was wanting to buy a good game. Um, and just, you know, had to have something jump out at me, but the sad, but honestly, just normal thing that's happened these days is that games that have any kind of, um, oomph to them in any way are a hundred dollars minimum, right? They're, they're very expensive. Yeah. Well, the Um, price of everything goes, has gone up and board games are a luxury good. So, yep. And, and Gloomhaven, Gloomhaven has proven that there is a market for, big boxes, right? With, right. you know, that people will pay a hundred, sell out for $125, $150 for. 
Um, well, that and like Gloomhaven is the components are not that impressive. It's not like they're not right. It's not like a a Rising Sun or Mechs vs. Minions. Right, right. Um, but you know, things like that have proven. Um, with Kickstarter that, that you can sell these things for exorbitant amounts of money and people buy them. And uh, while that's always kind of been the case, it just kind of feels a lot more these days that there's so much of that out there. Um, so I kept seeing that these big games that everything I come up to, that's very interesting. Like, Oh man, it's got neat ideas and neat fun things. Oh, it's over a hundred dollars. You know, like I'm not sure I'm doing it. And as I told Sid, I said, the problem with a hundred dollar games is that, we go through, our friend group goes through a game, we'll buy a game, we'll play it once, and we get two or three people like, eh, that was fun, but I don't know if I'll play it again, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't want to roll that dice on, on things, right, on $120 game. Uh, that being said, I come across this one, it looked neat, the, the salesman guy there pitched it, um, and then I asked the question, is this solo game? He says, yep, absolutely. And you can like play two characters or one character. You can play as many people as you want in a party. It's not difficult, and it's all kind of very co-op-y adventure type stuff. I was like, and it's the Shadows of Brimstone is the game system that they have two other games. The settings for those were Western, and the other one was, I want to say, um, Eastern uh, Asia. It's uh, um, like ancient Japanese type stuff like or, or Chinese Yes, kind of, yes, with some mystic things to it. And this one is the new one that just came out right before Gen Con, and they had all there, uh, is Gates of Valhalla, which is Vikings. And I love Vikings. Um, But he had said, you know, all of this stuff works together. So you can take a Western character and play it in the Viking one. Or, Hmm. you know, the the Chinese person, uh, samurai, or the Japanese samurai, and play it with, you know, anything. You take characters around. It's got... You know, experience points and building up and story and campaign. I was like, ah, cool. And it was over a hundred bucks. Um, but I, you know, here's one I can play and um, play it by myself and do a whole big thing. So I went ahead and bought that one. I'm real excited about it. Uh, what I wasn't planning on is when I opened it up, all of the miniatures in it are like the model miniatures where you have to clip them from the plastic, oh. put put the class the the modeling like glue to put the arms on. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so a whole bunch of that. Um, so I sat down, this was Monday and just started, I have all the stuff. I have a little clippy stuff and I went out and bought some glue and I'm, you know, I'm just putting it all together. It's, it's totally fine. I'm just okay with it. It's kind of, since it's a solo thing, there's no real pressure. I'm just enjoying that bit. And then I decided to go out and buy a bunch of uh, more paints that I have. So I may paint them <laughs> and turn this game into a, not just a game, but also a miniatures hobby type stuff with it. So, um, Get, getting it all in the same box, is, is, except for the paints, uh, is pretty nice. Um, so, yeah, did, I like that one. Did I, um, did I talk about Fortune and Glory on the show, or was that in the pre before we offered? I don't think you did. Yeah. That's the, that's, is that, wait, is that the Indiana Jones one? No. Yeah, one. it's Indiana yeah. Jones. That's also Flying Frog Productions. Ah, that there was you go. One, okay. that, was, that was a similar sort of thing where the, the guy at the booth, actually, the guy who demoed the game for us, was one of I don't know if they were all family or some of them were friends in laws or whatever, but the guy who demoed the game was one of the characters in the in one of their expansions because mm-hmm. they had like all real people photos on the box and on the cards, and we were like that's cool, and we had fun playing the game. I don't think it's a bad game. We bought it and only played it once, and I don't know if mm-hmm. we even got through the first game because it's just too heavy for. Um, 
for our family. Sure. Right. The, the, uh, I'm, I'm a that's huge funny. sucker. You, you said flying frog and I'm like, that sounds familiar. That looks familiar. Go, it sounds familiar. I had to go check board. Uh, game. <laughs> I, I, I am a huge sucker for games with expansions, um, or expandable things. Um, it's because when I love a game, I like the idea of being able to add to it. Now, Sure. Our buddy Trotsky will tell you that sometimes they just add needless mechanics and things like that. But what I tend right. to mean is that like Marvel champions being an example, uh, or for, to compare to you, the uh, Lord of the Rings living card game, it, mm-hmm. there's not a lot that it necessarily changes, but you get, Oh, I can buy an Elrond pack, right? Or I can buy a Legolas pack and get that character and all their cards. Right. It just yeah. adds to the game without adding tons of mechanics. And, you know, some of those games do, but it's a um, it's a that's like a that. thing like um what i i use a lot of different examples for things like this but where you think that it's like Trotsky talks about time travel or my brother talks about laugh tracks on tv shows like it's just a thing like the laugh track by itself is not inherently and i'm sure we've talked about that on a podcast before yeah, um, yeah. like an expansion to a game is is value neutral like if you i mean i think in most cases it's designed and this is part of the conversations that we had before tuesday game night started was you know my introduction to not not lame board games was settlers of Catan, which i think is true for a lot of people especially a little bit older now they're gateway new, drug. New, newer better gateway games but we played basic settlers of Catan like twice and I was playing with a bunch of people who already knew the games, right? So uh, it was a was little, one of those a, Cogswell little, little easier. No, this was before I met any of any of the guys. Before I'd even heard of Gen Con. Oh, okay. um, and then I said because he was the, a good Cogswell. He was a good right. He, he was player. he was a big big player. And at the time, they only had two expansions. Um, they had Seafarers, which was just Catan plus boats, right? So now you can cross the water plus boats. And, yep. And have islands. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, yep. that's just, it's the same game plus a little bit more. And then right. we played Cities and Knights, which we played with seafarers, right? So you also have boats, but then you've got knights and you move them around and you make the robber move and you have a different, there's a whole different uh, card system and not the resource cards. Well, there's that too. Like three new resources. There's these tracks, different ways to earn points, and the, the goal, the score you get to is higher. And it's it's not a completely different game, but it's like, if you say Seafarers adds 10% to the game, Cities and Knights added like 30 to 40%. It almost mm. became a different game. And to my way of thinking, that's saying you have a group that loves Settlers of Catan, and you play it a lot. You play it once a month. You play it every other week. Whatever. And eventually, you get burned out on it. You're like, okay, I've done all the things. Well, now, here's an expansion. It's everything you love, except this is different. This is different. And now it's like a new game, without having to learn a whole new game. Um, and that's just one example. Obviously, there are cases where um, I think I think expansions, in particular, don't appeal to... Trotsky and some of the other guys in our group because there are so many new games, right? When when yes, sure. When Catan was the big thing, I'm sure there were a handful of other games around, but like 
there were still more old crappy games than there were new cool games. Now, mm-hmm. there are probably dozens, if not hundreds, of new games coming out every year. Yes, like, right. I am not going to stick with a game long enough that I need a big paradigm-changing expansion. Yeah. Well, um, th- that's the fact that like Trotsky and our group are kind of a dedicated group, right? A lot of times you that's have... That's true, too. Yeah. Y- you have Catan, being an example, our, our buddy Bill for many years played at lunch with people at his work, and they just played that game at lunch, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't have time to learn new games all the time and do it. They just want to play the thing that they know and enjoying that kind of thing. And you're right with an expansion. It's that's very well said that it's just changes enough and you know, the game, you don't really have to explain anything, but there's one little bit and, and you can go on. So I think in most cases, people who don't want to see the big breadth of breadth of Gen Con and all the games you have, expansions are great get a good game that has longevity and you play one game and that's your game i think that's actually more common uh than people like us who just play new games constantly probably all the time. yeah or, or i should say more common for and i say common folk without being insulting like <laughs> uh, ca- casual board gamers maybe sure um, yeah um if you got like a family or things that like 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 to play a game and you can get them into a game you know, it's it's good to say like we'll just keep playing this game I've, I've got a lot of family that would do that well that's a, a lot of our gen con time we're running low on hit time here we could talk more uh just so much i thought it was pretty fun i had a, i had a great time uh, it's nice sid coming back into town and us to be able to spend the time it's kind of like mm-hmm. uh old hat where we just ran the stuff it was her first time coming four days all four days and oh, yeah. Yeah. she she kept talking about how they kept talking about how um, it was um different in, in the way that they kept thinking that it was Saturday when it was actually just Friday. You know, mm. they, they were getting their days and did how to say, and then their experience being that um Thursday and Friday is more like chilling game, chill out games, play the events, do like there, don't really like rush the hall. You know, yeah. thing that they've had before their experience is like hardcore Saturday and then shopping Sunday, right? Right. But now that's kind of spread over three days um, and then the fourth day being the shopping day so that it was just a different, more relaxed kind. I would even dare say enjoyable experience being four days instead of two. Yeah, not as not as rushed, not as sort of. I mean, you always get into everything. You always get a little bit of the FOMO. right? Because There's just yep. stuff happening constantly all the time. And then you're like, oh, man, that's the last day. Yeah. Um, so so next week we'll be back to our regular stuff with uh, a show. Do we want to pick a show so we can talk about it next we week? We um, should. Um, a film, I guess it's, I think it's my go. And I haven't really. What, what was, oh yeah, The Accountant was my pick. So it's your turn. Correct. Um, I put one on here that, uh, shoot, what do I want actually want to I I want to pick this one, but I want to pick an old, old school one because I'm kind of really in the mood for an old school uh, watch um all right i'll pay i'll throw it to you i'll put you two movies out and you pick them one's baby driver which i hear was great and has a wonderful soundtrack that goes excellently with the action on the screen i don't know if you've ever heard of it it's, um but it's supposed know, to be excellent i know the paul simon song uh, 
Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, but uh, it's it's a modern uh, heist. I think it's a heist movie type stuff. Baby Driver. The other one is an old, like late 1970s, maybe early 80s fantasy film called Curl. Um, I don't know if you've seen that one, but it's very much what you might think of when I thought of 70s and 80s fantasy. Um, think Dragon Slayer or, um, mm-hmm. you know, the. Uh, not quite um, Flash Gordon, you know, not that cheesy, but that right. kind of stuff. So, so what do you think? We, what kind of mood are you into? The the old old fantasy stuff or a brand new hip music since we're, driven? Since thing? we're, I don't, I don't know why this matters, but because we're late in the week and I'm moving camp again this weekend, I'm leaning more toward Baby Driver. Sounds good to me. I, I want to watch that one. It's definitely on my list, so we can we'll put that on there. So, Baby Driver for next week. We'll watch that one. Uh, we'll also come back and do our way too long ranting and talk, or not ranting, but discussions about Star Trek as Strange New Worlds is yeah. starting to wrap up. We watch. You, I know you weren't at the house, but the rest of us, most of the rest of us, watched Subspace Rhapsody, um, and well, I want to rewatch I, it because we yeah. were inebriated. But um, as I told you offline, I got to watch the first like ten minutes of it, and up to the through the credits the opening credits and i was just like i love every minute of this i want it i want it all keep watching but i had to watch it it was leading it butting up to the time for us to record so yeah i'm excited we had a couple like like i think andrew and aaron both watched with us and they've never seen a single episode oh yeah they're just like they're like what's what's who's I'm like You'll be fine. You'll, you'll figure it out. Like, yes, there. It's just packed with callbacks, just like the the crossover episode. Like, but mm. you can you can follow it fine. Did, did they seem to like it? Okay, after even with yeah, the musical I, stuff. I I forget who, but at least one of them was like, "All right, I guess I'm gonna have to go watch this show now." <laughs> it's <was> funny, <laughs> yeah. like for, you know, for sure. The the uh, kind of thing. It, it what. What makes or breaks it is if the songs are good, right? And I can say that mm-hmm. opening song was excellent. Like, great harmonies, good music. And while doing the musical thing of actually telling and propelling the story, right? They're actually saying words that you listen to so you know what's happening type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to say, I saw right past that when they're talking about the reason of why this is happening in musical stuff. And all I could think of was like Mr. Spock gets up and starts ex- doing te- the Star Trek techno babble about <laughs> why it's happening. And he does yeah. a whole paragraph of it. Right. And Jim Kirk, who happens to be on there at the time, he's like, right. Thanks, Mr. Spock, for that. I almost understood it for a minute, you know, and <laughs> and all I could think of was like, this is what was tough for me in Klingons and Dragons. <laughs> You know, it's like, mm. you're supposed to just know this stuff, um, but there's no way I could pull that stuff out of my rear end, like that Spock was just like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, man, right. these writers are awesome. You know, they yeah. can just... We're we're doing the like, we're like, why is, why is Kirk here? Right? Which is the question. And we're like, well, really, you can see um, a big part of the, the decision in the writing for this is... Which of these actors are the best singers? I mean, we've already seen mm. um, Rebecca Romaine and Ethan Peck in that short tracks um, singing yeah. Gilbert Sullivan in the Turbo Lift. Yep. Right. I'm like, yep. okay, so I know they're going to be prominent, and 
you know, some of the others less so, though they do get, I think you see that from the beginning, or at least in the trailer, the big choral number, chorus numbers, they'll still have everybody, because it's, you know. Oh, yeah. They were all so good. You're right. I can see that things, I want to say Pike was one that didn't have a whole lot of lines there. Yeah, Mal, Pike, but, but Pike's some of not super strong, good. and I I don't think uh, the actor who plays in Bangay is is either. But yeah, um, yeah. But the, but a then they'd have some harmonies happening, and like you know, um, Ethan Peck would come out and do some stuff. And I'm like, that's really good, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to it. We'll talk more about it next week. We're already kind of talking, yeah, getting yeah, into yeah. it. So excited, but but next week we'll talk about that. I did also watch the rest of the War Wind because I was behind with Mbenga. Uh, I got words to say about that one. Um, mm. Overall, I like it, but you know. Like a lot of the season, I'll rewatch it all again. Um, but we haven't talked about that one. Uh, it's very interesting, and I got things to ask you about. Next week. All right. You've been listening to Front Porches, episode 309. Thanks always to our friends at LRM Online. Uh, our buddy Fox has reviews there. I'm sure in the next few weeks to months, he'll have detailed reviews on some of the new games from Gen Con. Uh, so check those out. If you want to reach out to us and tell us all the things we're wrong about trading card games, Magic, and Disney, you do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. Or if you head over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you'll find contact forms there where you can reach out and show notes where relevant. I'm sure I mentioned at least one thing in this episode that I want to link to. Um, Man, I, I say I don't, I don't uh, envy your job of tagging all of the... <laughs> to all these things. I mean, there's there's not that much that we talk about. When we talk about board games or sometimes products, I'll put Amazon links, or for board mm-hmm. games, I'll put Board Game Geek links. Yep. Um, so that people can find those. If, you know what something yeah, we said. I know that's helpful when I'm reviewing back some of the stuff we've talked about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what have I not said? If you I, enjoyed I the show, your cadence there. I know it's it a whole did. thing. <laughs> Please consider subscribing on the podcast of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a positive review, please appreciate that. It helps out a lot. Helps us out a lot in those rankings and magic algorithms. Thanks always. Why can't I talk to you? As <laughs> I always, get you, I get you out of your speed, and it yeah, just messed yeah, up. You, you, you broke, and now it's now it's done. <laughs> I'll uh, see you later. Bye. As, as always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis, and I'm Michael for the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.